0: Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. I am excited about this new series, Maximizing with Michelle. Um, It's a part of the launch of my new book, Maximizing Impact, Success Strategies for Dynamic Nonprofits. So I've invited um, a few guests who will be joining me in conversation to learn more about how they have been maximizing impact in their respective organizations. So today my guest is Jennifer Wagner. She is with Faith in Action in the Greater Canal Valley. So Jennifer, Tell the audience about yourself. Who is Jennifer Wagner?
1: Well, hello, Michelle, and thank you for having me on. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I am a native West Virginian, have lived here just about all my life, went to South Charleston High School and grew up in the Chemical Valley and... Mm -hmm. In about late in the early to late '80s, we had an opportunity to move um, with my husband's job. So we moved to Richmond, Virginia, and then we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we were in we were away from West Virginia for about 16 years or so. And then the opportunity came knocking to come home, and we jumped on it. Our kids were my son was my youngest was a senior in high school, my daughter was about to graduate from college, Um, so it was just. Time. My parents live close to here, and his mother was still here. My we have lots of family here, so mm-hmm. we just decided it was time to come home, and here we are. So came home at, to an, to an empty nest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So you are the executive director of Faith in Action. So talk about your journey. It was that. Did you start off in the nonprofit sector? Or did you start off somewhere else, and no, end do. up where it's, you are?
1: My Reaching this point in my career um, has been a, quite a journey. Um, and, and I think that every stop along the way has helped me um, to maximize my impact in mm-hmm. in this community through faith in action. Um, I started out um, wanting to be a journalist, um, and I owned a, a magazine here in town for a few years called Focus on the Valley. Oh. And our goal was to, report on the positive news. We felt like we were being bombarded with all the negative news mm-hmm. and we wanted to be an outlet for the good stuff. So we came out every two months and we did that for a couple of years. Um, it was not a moneymaker, needless to say, it was, um, but it was a labor of love and I enjoyed every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And through that process, I gained a lot of skills on graphic design and layout and that sort of thing, which led me to a career in marketing Okay. So I was not a typical what you think of in the marketing world. I was a marketing director for an international construction company called Skanska, it's based out of Sweden. Um, I was the director of marketing in the mid Atlantic region based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we would do proposals for projects that were, you know, $250 million projects, you know. High dollar projects that were LEED certified, uh, medical buildings and science buildings at Duke University and University of North Carolina. Um, our company built Reliant Stadium in Houston with the retractable roof. Um, mm. We did the, the Meadowland Stadium in oh, New York. Oh, wow. yeah. So That's huge. they do the big things, you know, buildings that you re- would recognize around the world. Uh, so that was my background. I was working on preparing proposals for to win the work, um, that you know, so that our guys could go out there and, and do these jobs and, and get these get these construction projects underway. So that laid the groundwork unbeknownst to me. Those are some great skills, <laughs> <Yes>. very <laughs> awesome transferable yeah, skills. For right. sure, because responding to an R F P is very much like submitting a grant i mean it's exact and you have to answer every question and you have to have the data and you have to have the stories and you have to have the narratives um, and all of those things and the expertise you have to prove the expertise Mm -hmm. Um, so it was very transferable when um when i got to this place later in Mm -hmm. in life But when we first moved back from West Virginia, um, I was working a big job with a big salary and all big benefits and Mm -hmm. big responsibility and lots of stress and all of that. And I know that that job just didn't exist here in Charleston. So I changed my mindset and decided that I was going to try to go down a path that would enrich my soul and my heart more than my pocketbook at that time. And I landed at the Alzheimer's Association. Mm -hmm. Which was a very great learning ground, proving ground for understanding how nonprofits work and what the pitfalls are and what the you know the stressors are and how you know the challenges of always requ- needing to get funding and raise funding mm-hmm. and and to be able to do the work that you're really there to do. Um, and while I was there, I was kind of on the front lines of you know answering the phones and talking to people every day. And I quickly recognized that there was a huge gap in services for our senior population. Um, a lot of the families would call and they were frustrated because they uh, you know they couldn't find transportation or they couldn't find, you mm-hmm. know just whatever the services are that they needed. And it was frustrating for us because we didn't have anywhere to send them, really. Um, we have some great County aging programs in the two counties that we serve, Canal and Putnam. Mm-hmm. We have Canal Valley Senior Services, which they are our next door neighbors, quite literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Putnam Aging in Putnam County, and they do great work and they do amazing things, but they can't help everybody. Um, in large measure, it's my belief is because they accept public funding for a lot of the work that they do, their, their eligibility requirements and things are a lot stricter um, than, for example, ours are. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, you know, I knew we couldn't be the only community that was struggling to help our seniors and to help fill those gaps. And I started to do my homework and did some research around the country. I was fortunate to visit a group in Houston, Texas. I Spoke at length with an organization in California and Columbus, Ohio and Boston. Um, and the, I kept bumping into the faith in action model. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you're familiar with the Robert Woods Johnson Foundation. Yes. Okay. yes they're well, huge. <laughs> yeah. They are the ones who started uh, the Faith in Action model of care, volunteer caregiving. They actually planted the model and the f- seed funding in four communities across the country to see what would happen. And they planted it within congregations with the idea being that the congregation would help Mm -hmm. other congregants, you know, with needs like that, like transportation to medical appointments or grocery shopping assistance and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. It took off, grew like wildfire, um, and there are probably 350 plus faith in action modeled programs across the country now, a um, th- lot of them have dropped the faith in action name and they there's like senior friends in Boston, for example, uh, the Ventura County caregivers in, in California. So a lot of them have taken the faith in action name away, but they're still based on the faith in action model of neighbor helping neighbor. Okay. Uh, so so that's kind of cool. And what I what I found in my research was that one of the first four communities to have a faith in action modeled program was in Wheeling, West Virginia. And fortunate for me, Jeanette Wojcik, who was the executive director, so the first
0: in the nation was in Vienna. one of the first four. Yes. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, okay. And the executive director who started the program there was still there when I was poking around and doing my homework. Mm-hmm. Um, she opened her, I, her brain, her heart, everything to us. Wonderful. She was excited to, for us to get up and running. She gave us her bylaws, her training materials, and she said, "Take it, use it, adapt it, do whatever you need to do." Um, so that's what we did, and we call her, she's our guardian angel, and she always will be. She, she's a lovely person, and she she really helped us get off the ground a lot faster than we would have otherwise. So how long has that, how longs it been? That, that was actually that conversation started happening in 2013. And the Alzheimer's Association, I'm so blessed that I worked in an environment that I did, that they believed in what I was doing, and they supported me doing that, Mm -hmm. and they actually gave me time at work to do what I needed to do to get this off the ground. So we were able to incorporate Faith in Action on May 1st, 2014, Mm and we just turned nine. We're going to do something big for our 10th anniversary. (laughs) Um, And in that time, you know, it's pretty amazing because we went from zero. My husband wrote the check for our, you know, to send to the IRS for our nonprofit status and all of that stuff. Right at our kitchen table, we went from zero money, zero volunteers, zero care receivers, to today, uh, nine years later, we have two hundred thirty plus volunteers. We serve anywhere from four to five hundred seniors in an average year, Um, and it's pretty incredible. So uh, it's, I think we proved the hypothesis. After the fact, yeah, but yeah, and I'm I'm listening to your story. You did a
0: lot of things right. Like, you actually worked in an organization and then saw the need. So instead of just saying, "Oh, I want to start a nonprofit," you right. actually saw a need, did your homework, found a model that worked, and it's you know those are all things I talked about in, in my <laughs> book. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay,
1: check, check, check." Had yeah. had I read your book before I started this though, I might have been. I probably would have been a lot more thorough in in the things that I did. Um, because I really did fly by the seat of my pants a lot. And, it, it, and part of it is entrepreneurial. You right, know what I mean? For sure.
0: And there are things I, like, when I look back on my my time in, in, in nonprofits at kids there are things I wish I had known earlier on. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm like, okay, y'all i wish i knew some of this before i started so but here here are the things that you you know yeah that's kind of yeah. so
1: i kind of learned by not knowing and having mm-hmm. to ask the questions or do the dumb right. thing and you know right. <laughs> you learn that way you, you learn that's you little. learn that
0: way and you learn by being turned down yeah. and you know yeah absolutely yeah. so what keeps you it's been nine years yes. so
1: what keeps you at faith in action Gosh, um, it's just in my heart now. It's part of my DNA. Um, I am an active volunteer with the organization and always will be no matter what mm-hmm. happens to my role as a staff person right. or an executive director. Um, so I drive seniors to the medical appointments. I do some grocery shopping with them. I, you know, I talk to them on the phone all the time. They they all know me Um and and that's what keeps me in it: their gratitude and their mm-hmm. sincere appreciation, and just just knowing. Uh, you know, I tell our volunteers, or especially our prospective volunteers, mm-hmm. that you will know the impact you made the very day you make it, wow, because wow. they will tell you right and, away. You, Immediate you, it, it feedback. Is, it is yeah. immediate. And so you leave your task or your assignment with you know, knowing mm-hmm. that you've done something that, that changed somebody else's that's life for awesome. the better
0: got to be really fulfilling. It is really fulfilling. So this series that I'm doing um, is entitled Maximizing Impact. So it's about maximizing impact. Um, What does that term mean to you? What does maximizing impact mean to you?
1: It's funny because it's meant different things to me at different points Mm -hmm. in this journey. Um, and early on it meant I need money. I need you know, to, to get mm-hmm. financing and funding to help make these programs possible. Um, at, at another point it meant I need to get a pipeline for volunteers and make sure that that is constantly growing mm-hmm. and changing. Um, today it means. Increasing our capacity of our staff to be able to do more things. So I, if I mm-hmm. can give you an example, mm-hmm. um, I do an intake visit with every person who applies to be part of our program. It means that I go to their home and I tell them about the program. I let them put a face to the program. Right. I let them ask questions, and I I can kind of assess if there's other programs of ours that they might not know about that we you know how we can fully holistically help them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can be uh, as many as 1,100. And take that's a lot, and, mm-hmm. and that breaks lot, down yeah. to about five weeks of my time. You know, and that's a lot, and it's an important role and it's an important job that needs to be done. But mm-hmm. am I the one that necessarily needs to do it at this point in our in our growth and in our arc? So, how many people are working with you? Just one other person. Just, it's just one me, other person. Yes, wow. just me and one person. Mm-hmm. So we have um, we are in the process of trying to uh, get obtain funding for a, a program. Of volunteer intake assessment teams where we the goal is to take a couple of get nurses retired nurses social workers people mm-hmm. that have been in that realm before um, offer them you know gas allowance and offer them a stipend to take on so many of those a month and do those intake visits for us okay but I think they could probably bring something um, more depth to the intakes mm-hmm. that we do um, you know and, and get get a because they know what they're doing I'm, right, I'm not right, a social right. worker and I've mm-hmm. never been in that world before so um but you know I, I want to send them out in teams of two for safety and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. now it's just me I just go out and right. do my, <laughs> do it yeah, that my would definitely <laughs> alleviate your your stress for yeah. sure and it would it would free up on more than a month of my time to focus on mm-hmm. building new programs you know training new volunteers whatever the case may be right right right
0: um so have you read maximizing impact I have. success I've, strategies for dynamic nonprofit?
1: I have. I've, <laughs> I've, I've marked several pages in there okay. that are per, pertinent to me and important to me.
0: So what 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 are some of those that that really? Well, first of all i'd like to say that what an impressive
1: you. woman you are i oh. always knew that you were but i did not know your whole background and that that was a very fascinating part to go Thank through you. um but i the, the section on logic models i took a workshop with you guys before mm-hmm. on logic models and i i, I clearly got the I I was connected to why it's important Mm -hmm. but having it here in this book I'm much more this is is my how I learn okay it has helped me a lot to like we're getting ready to go into a volunteer management strategy session and Mm -hmm. planning session and we've got a whole team of volunteers and people coming in to help us build out a strategy Mm -hmm. and that logic model is going to be a big part of that day um, because I understand it better now. And I understand, yeah, so I really appreciated that a lot.
0: Good, good, good. That's one of my favorite tools ever.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it does. It makes so much sense. It makes sense. It It just makes sense. When I took the workshop, like I said, I I connected with it and I definitely understood it, but I felt overwhelmed by it. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, but now, now I don't. Now I feel like I have more data, you know, I have more input, in my own brain to put more out into a logic model make it make sense
0: and when I first the first couple of times I learned it it took me a while to to, for it to click too so Mm -hmm. don't feel bad that's normal
1: (laughs) (laughs) that that is normal
0: so when you think about now you have a you have a couple um, you have more than one programs so um which one of your programs would you say is most impactful and how do you know that
1: The most impactful program we have far and away is our transportation to medical appointments because, Mm -hmm. you know, if senior, a lot of the seniors that we serve have chronic health conditions and if they aren't making their appointments, if they aren't getting to their doctors and and having their medicine checked and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, their health can deteriorate and that's, that's, they're not going to be able to stay in the house. Yeah. So I I know from the data and the number of trips we take, and I also know from anecdotal data from what they express to us Mm -hmm. um, how impactful that program is. I I, I think another, um, I don't know, another thing that tells me how impactful it is is how many medical offices in the valley refer their patients to us because they know Mm -hmm. that we can get them there and that that tells me something i mean that's not you know a data that's an endorsement right yeah but it's not a like a data point that i can put on Mm -hmm. the metrics or Mm -hmm. anything but it's it it tells me that it is having an impact that's awesome awesome
0: um what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started in your position oh Well, like when you like those early days after the Alzheimer's Association,
1: I wish I knew how often I was going to have to speak in public in front of people. because <laughs> that's I was always behind the scenes. You know, when I'm writing the proposals and I'm training our guys, you know, our construction, construction supervisors, how to present the, mm-hmm. the case that why they we should win the job. I didn't have to stand up and present. You know, I was like behind the yeah. scenes pulling the strings. And um, that was a, that was something I wish I had more. Knowledge of and and experience. So now in. you just do it without even thinking. Well, that's debatable, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all have to. Because I I always say I'm shy. I mean, lately I've, I've been kind of trying to shed that. But you know, I'd much rather just do the work. And but you've got to you you learn that you've got to mm-hmm. talk about what you're doing. You got to tell your story to get it out there for several reasons you can't just hide away and just work i mean
1: it's for the support it's for the to increase your volunteer capacity it's for all Mm -hmm. those things to make sure that you're helping people that need help or that they know that you exist for sustainability Um, in uh, general uh, yeah
0: in general you've got to you've got to get out there um so what do you feel proudest of when you think about the work that you do what are you most proud of
1: I think I'm proud of the fact that we retain our volunteers. They don't leave us. They stay with us. And I'm proud of the way that we have built and structured our volunteer program because I was talking to somebody just today, in fact, and it's so flexible, and people can do it on their schedule, right, when they're available, right. they can pick the assignments that appeal to them, if they like to grocery shop, great, if they like to install handrails, great, if they like to, to they drive they can just somebody, install all you, the handrails yeah. everywhere. <laughs> okay. They can pick and choose, you know, they're not tied down to a, a specific commitment every Tuesday at 10 or whatever, mm-hmm. and for that reason, I think, you know, our volunteers stick with us, and they... they They just love working with us, and so that's been very helpful, and I'm pretty proud of that. That I'm also proud of the fact that from 2015 to the end of last year, our volunteers, the value benefit of the work our volunteers put out in the community was over $600,000. And that's that's pretty incredible. And that,
0: because there's a, a number where you can calculate the value of a volunteer hour, yeah, right? There's yeah. an
1: organization called IndependentSector.org, mm-hmm, and er, right. and every year they they create the value of a volunteer hour. Yeah. And I use the I, I use the dollar of value for West Virginia because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they have a national number, but then they also break it down state by state. Right. And you know, in in that short amount of time, that's the dollar value of impact that our volunteers have had. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, When you think of opportunities for growth, what what are they?
1: I have lots of big dreams for this program. Um, probably the biggest one is I want to start a quality of life rides program. Hmm. Um, one of when we do evaluations of our care, you know, surveys of our care receivers, uh, the number they they're always very complimentary and positive, and we we get great feedback from them but when we ask the question what could we do for you that we're not doing what would you mm-hmm. like to see us do i would like to go get my hair done mm-hmm. i'd like to go visit my sister in the nursing home i would like to go to lunch with a friend you wow, know but transportation wow. is a barrier to more than just medical appointments mm-hmm. so i would really love to create a program and we're working and we're trying really hard but right, uh, right. to build a quality of life rides program where you know people seniors can do things that they want to do that don't involve just going to grocery shop or just going right. to, you just know, not just the necessities, correct. It's a, just the quality, the quality of life. Of life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the yeah. things that broke my heart, we do senior Christmas every year for, for seniors in the Knaw County. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them said, you know, I, I just would love to be able to go Christmas shopping for my great grandkids you know myself you know but she said i just give my money give money to my kids and right, they shop right. for me and she said you know she wanted to just go christmas shopping i mean it's just simple things like that and it's really that's really at the heart what faith in action is all about more it's mm-hmm. neighbor to neighbor that's what we're, we're just the facilitator connecting the two yeah
0: because if, if it's and i'm sure that helps with their mental health oh for
1: sure yes well, absolutely absolutely i don't, are you familiar with the study that the ARP did that said I'm not sure loneliness okay. and isolation can be as deadly as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Wow. Wow. That's pretty powerful Especially
0: with in these with COVID and yeah, everything uh, that we have. Absolutely. Were, oh wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll put that out there. You never know who's listening. <laughs> you never know who's listening. So what advice would you give to someone thinking about starting a nonprofit program or organization like yours? What advice would you give to them?
1: The main thing I would tell them is do your homework, do your research, Mm -hmm. don't duplicate efforts, right? We don't, we, when we started this, that was something that was really important to me. I did not want to be redundant. We're not here to compete with Canal Valley Senior Services. We're here to complement them. Absolutely. And, you know, we, there's plenty of work to go around, but, you know, make sure that the work that you want to do, if there's somebody already doing it, go and help them, mm-hmm. help them do the work. Um, you know, there's lots of ways you can help them Absolutely. do the work. Um, but that that would be my biggest piece of advice is, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel or to create a program where one already exists. Mm-hmm. And that that's just, you know, that, that takes away from everybody, <laughs> you know, that it limits yeah. access to resources and all kinds of things. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. As you look to the future, what gives you hope?
1: Oh, gosh. What gives me hope is the fact that it, how eager people that I meet are to help each other. Um, I think that gives me the most hope. It's it, I've never encountered a group of people or a person who was just like, you know, no way, I'm going to, you know, I, I don't want to help, you know, don't want to do that, you know. Yeah. They, everybody wants to help, and if they are able to help, they do. They jump in and do and do the work. I've noticed that. In, do you think that's a West Virginia thing? No, it might be. I mean, I can't I really. Think, s-
0: I've noticed. I agree with that. People, people just want to help to yeah. make our state better, our community better. I think yeah. it has to do with,
1: you know, maybe, I tell people all the time that West Virginia is a big, small town, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the whole state, yeah. pretty much. And, you know, and people understand the hardships that other people have because they've either been through they them themselves relate. or they're yes. right down the river from relate. you. You know, we, we understand. Mm. And, you know, it's just in the way we were brought up, I think, it's just – being good neighbors is is, it's just it's biblical (laughs) yes yes it's 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 what drives everything that i do it's what i what i try to bring underneath it all for faith in action that's that's what it is is just doing doing good by our neighbors absolutely any closing remarks any closing Um, thoughts If anybody listening is interested in volunteering, we are always game. So give us a call at 304-881-7253, or our website is packed full of great information, including applications for service and applications to be a volunteer. Um, It's faithinactiongkv.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And you're on social media, I imagine, All over, yep. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was a pleasure having you on.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you.